Hello, I'm your host, Gemma Holbert, and welcome to the Yachts You Podcast. This space is entirely dedicated to authentic conversations about life at sea. Through thoughtful chats and real experiences, I talk with some of the most insightful men and women in the yachting industry. No questions off the table as we dive into the wonderful and absurd world of stewardesses. Before starting today's episode, I wanted to share with all of you a really exciting partnership between the Yacht Stew and Salacia Yachting. Together, we have created and are launching the first admin-focused Chief Stewardess course. We cover everything from work lists to hiring with loads of downloadables and videos to make it as easy to follow as possible. The course is fully online, you can work at your own pace, and you will have lifetime access. If you are interested, head over to www.theyachtstew.com forward slash courses to learn more and be one of the first to sign up. Welcome back to yet again another episode of the Yachtstew podcast. Today I am interviewing Jack from Copla Concierge. He is seriously a jack of all trades from land, air, and sea. He is now based in Florida and runs an incredible company that is really serving the luxury hospitality industry unlike anybody else. So Jack, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being here today. Hi, Gemma. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm so excited. Yeah, us too. So you originally came from Connecticut and then you started out as a private flight attendant. So how long were you in the aviation world, and what was it that drew you to move on to uh, more the yachting world and the yachting side of things? So, I mean, honestly, I kind of fell into aviation. I always was fascinated by planes, and I just didn't really know what the next step was. You know, growing up in Connecticut, it was, you know, very rural, but at the same token, we had New York City that was, you know, an, an exciting hour, 45 minutes to an hour away. So, I did not want to go to college. I was in high school and I'm kind of like, you know, what's the next step? I love glamour. I love style. I love travel. I love, you know, nice expensive things. And I mean, essentially I met a family that actually owned a fleet of seven private jets and they were the ones that kind of scouted me and, you know, it was game time. So aviation was, well, is extremely fun. And at the same token, the family that I worked for actually owns super yachts and they had estates. So as I started working with them, you know, the, that's where the jack of all trades kind of came in. He, he can fly, he can be on a boat, he knows how to water ski, he knows how to cook, he knows mixology, he knows laundry, so on and so forth. So that's actually how I was kind of introduced to yachting was through them. But when I would go on their boats with them, I was more... I guess you would say like a VIP guest, a owner's PA type situation. So I was spoiled. I had a guest cabin. It was very nice, but honestly, it made me uncomfortable. And, you know, I kind of stepped in. I'm like, hey, girls, what can I help you with? Can we do turndowns? Can I help you with, you know, dishes, so on and so forth? And that was really the, you know, the peak of it. Wow, that's amazing. I, I can't imagine what it would be like as well. Your first introduction to yachting is really almost being on that kind of gray area of the guest side, but still working for the boss and then deciding, actually, I'm going to go fully to the crew side. It's not really the usual way I think people join yachting. So what an experience that must have been. 
Yeah, it was pretty fantastic. And um, it was actually very unique because I took it more as an advantage in the sense of let me be in the owner's shoes and let me see what the crew does to impress us. Let me see what the crew does to make our experience here, you know, five stars. So I kind of, again, took that to my advantage. And, you know, I was critiquing as I was going, you know, how are they pouring the wine? How, how's the ambience of the room? How are the lights? How's the temperature? How's the music? And, you know, as I got into yachting on the crew side of things, I kind of put myself back into that day when I was a guest on the boat, you know, how is it in their shoes? That's the question I'm always asking myself. And that is such an incredible and unique vantage point that I think so many stews we don't have because we don't have the luxury of viewing it from that side. But it must, yeah, I mean, it obviously does. It gives you a huge edge on your service and your experience and how you would train your team when, you know, you have that idea of I've been in their shoes, quite literally. I know what it's like to sit at the table and I know what to expect. And oh, what an amazing gift, really. I mean, that's just really setting you up to be such an incredible part of the interior team. It really was. And honestly, <laughs> when I do the trainings, the first thing I say to the stews are be in their shoes. And then we actually go through a formal dining experience where the stews are the guests and I'm serving them. And I say to them, I say, critique me, look at me, look at my body language, look at where my feet are pointing. I want you guys to fully indulge. That, oh gosh, you know, I've done a lot of training with the girls, but I don't know if I've ever really done that to that extent where I've had them sit and critique as opposed to just, I've had them sit before and say, oh, I want you to pretend to be Mrs. I want you to pretend to be Mr. And it's a bit more of, I suppose, a role play activity to get the girls comfortable with the guest interaction, but I've never had them sit there and fully embody a guest in the sense of I'm going to critique everything. That that's amazing. That it's no wonder that your your butler training does so well. And for anyone that isn't aware, part of Jack's concierge company is butler training, which we will get into because you went from aviation to yachting. You then stepped up to chief stewardess, went to a butler school in the UK, and now are a butler trainer. I mean, you've done everything. You have done it all, and. I'm just so curious, how did you find kind of that step up to Chief Stew when you had kind of so much experience behind you? Did you find any big learning curves? Was it what you expected? So my biggest struggle, I guess you could say, with, with going up to Chief Stew was being on the airplanes, you're alone. I mean, depending on the size of the aircraft, I was lucky if I had two flight attendants. And honestly, I think I can count on one hand how many times I had that. So Therefore, you're almost soul stew on a private jet, but you have to be like the magician. You're making drinks, you're serving meals, you're conducting turndowns, you're making sure the pilots are fine. You're occasionally dealing with some pretty severe turbulence and, you know, you have to juggle. That's, that's the game. Um, so transitioning into yachts and then having a team of four stews under you, five stews, six stews, seven stews. It was almost hard for me to kind of delegate because I was so used to doing everything alone, which is where, you know, hashtag Joe, Jack of all trades kind of came in. And <laughs> honestly, it was like after charter one, I'm like, wait a second, 
I have someone that can stock fridges. Wait a second. I have someone that's doing laundry. I have someone that's doing provisioning. So stepping up to Chief Stew, it kind of had to bring me back to ground and, you know, almost lay out a piece of paper and just draw ahead with some lines going down and delegating the projects. So that was the, you know, the biggest learning curve, I guess you could say. And then once that was done, it was, I mean, bread and butter from there. It was, you know, absolute paradise. Definitely. And I, I'm sure so many girls are like me sitting, nodding their head right now because stepping up to Chief Stew, the interior is still your responsibility. So I think sometimes it is difficult as well to give out that responsibility because you always want it to be perfect. And so you have to trust the team and a huge part of trusting your team is the training. So did you find anything when you were training the girls that you maybe didn't expect would um, come up with them or, or was everything quite easy when you kind of decided to delegate? I mean, it really depended on the program. I mean, the boats that I was full-time on, you know, luckily we had a lot of time that I was able to kind of evaluate where their skills were, whether it was laundry, silver service, you know, high stress situation, low stress situation, how easily distracted are they? You know, are they chatty Cathy's or are they shy? And, you know, on the full-time programs, I, of course, evaluated and then kind of executed and, you know, approached it in a really nice way. And I would just say, you know, hey, I really, you know, noticed that you struggle during service. You're you're nervous. You're scared to approach. You're you're silent, but people can feel that you're there, but you're not there. If you know what I mean. So that was kind of absolutely, the, you know, approach that I used on it. And now I've kind of am throwing curveballs because I do a lot of you know freelance temp chiefs do or even chef roles, and that's extremely difficult because if you're getting on you know a forty, fifty, or sixty meter as chiefs do you're kind of the outsider. You have to not only learn the entire boat, learn what's there, but you also have to now learn new personalities. You know, where are they on the skill set? But if you're 12 hours before, you know, charter pickup, how are you going to execute and how are you going to learn these these girls within 12 hours? I don't know how you do that, quite honestly. I've never <laughs> really freelanced as a chief chair. I'm thinking, oh my gosh, like... Do you have any tips? Because I, I'm not a freelance chief stew. I haven't ever done it before. Maybe one day. But what tips would you give someone? Because to me, that sounds incredibly daunting. Going on it's, and having, you know, 12 hours. It's just wild. Yeah, it's tricky. This actually happened about a week ago. Essentially, if it's a crew agent, if it's a connection, I reach out either to the captain and I say, hey, may I please get the interior team's numbers on WhatsApp? Whether I'm driving to the boat or I'm home and packing, I'm contacting them and I'm asking for photos. I want to see what our current stock is. Do we have honey? Do we need Nespresso pods? Um, you know, do we have 12 of the same matching wine glasses? You know, these are things that I'm kind of mentally preparing because if we don't have the same matching wine glasses, we're essentially going to have to pull a rabbit out of our hat. You know, either I have to yeah. get them, maybe they're hiding in a bill somewhere. Maybe there's something else similar on the boat that we can use and someone really won't notice. Or maybe, frankly, we just don't use it. So, I mean, honestly, I ask for photos. That's my biggest thing. I want to see what themed tables we have. I want to see what napkins we have. I want to see, you know, what the beds look like. I'm asking about laundry. I'm asking about their 
who's comfortable with service, who's comfortable with turndowns, you know, what has your past experience been? And honestly, I don't interrogate them. I have a conversation. It's, I feel like a lot of chief stews um, get the word chief stew in their head and they think big, bossy, mean, and a lot of people don't react to that. They actually react the opposite way. So you get this big, bossy, mean chief stew coming in that's pointing fingers and you know, now the other stews, which are your workhorses, are scared either to ask about, you know, hey, what side does the does, does the salt go on? You know, they're they fear saying, hey, by the way, I mixed colors into the whites and, you know, we have a situation. So that's kind of my approach on it. And 10 times out of 10, it, it works fairly phenomenally. That's and amazing. It's even better because the charter guests are like, you guys are such a good crew. How long have you been together? And it's like, oh, you know, five hours. <laughs> that must be the biggest compliment as well. I mean, to be like, yeah, I, I actually arrived about three hours before you did. But hey, we're doing it and it's going well. I mean, that must be a massive compliment when the guests think that you have worked together for a significant amount of time. I mean, it really is. And it's kind of fake it till you make it type situation. But at the same token, you don't really even have to fake it to the make it because if you're taking those steps and, and contacting your crew and, you know, creating a warm and welcome environment and also saying, you know, hey, girls, we're going to do this. This is happening and this is how we're going to execute it. And it's synergy. People feel the energy. That's very big in service. And I don't think a lot of people realize it, but it's one of my biggest tools that I use. I completely agree with you. I think if there's harmony in the team, things just flow with ease. And if anything goes wrong, the team has each other's back because everyone's working together for the common goal. Whereas, you know, if there are any tensions or anything within the team, you feel that on service, don't you? The communication breaks down and it just never goes as smoothly. So I think you've hit the nail on the head. The energy has to be there. It's got it to be positive to be. and it's got to be a working environment. And my biggest yeah, fear I is totally that when guests, when guests pick up on the energy, because they know they're the ones at the Absolutely. table, they're and the ones watching. You're the show. You're there for the experience. Yeah, without a doubt. And and they're paying for, you know, the world's most luxurious service. They are not paying to listen or to see, you know, a communication breakdown or girls roll their eyes at one another. That is absolutely unacceptable. So I think you're right. That's just something that we have to always be mindful of is the guests are always watching. And it's something small. I, I often talk with the girls about the radios. And I say, girls, remember, you know, on, <laughs> I was on one boat where we didn't do earpieces. And I was like, if I can hear your radio, if you can hear your radio, the guests can hear the radio. So we don't need right. any weird snide comments. We don't need inappropriate jokes. There is a time and a place when guests are on the boat, all of that there is not any time and there is no space for any of that. That has to go out the window. So I think exactly. you're so right. The guests are around. They're everywhere. <laughs> they are everywhere <laughs> all the time. <laughs> around the corners. <laughs> Absolutely. So you decided to go to Butler School in the UK. So was that while you were still on yachts or was this after yachting? So believe it or not, the family that I worked for initially actually hired uh, two private butlers to come to the private jets and the yachts and the houses to train me specifically to the service that they required. So I actually did wow. a very formal service years ago. And 
It was very unique because the butlers came to the airplane. We utilized the tools that we had in the airplane. We made a jet bed. They kind of taught me, hey, you have a 36-minute flight from, say, Teterboro, New Jersey to Boston. It's actually faster than 36. But, you know, they kind of showed me the the breakdown. You know, it's going to take you 10 to to 16 minutes to climb up to 10,000 feet. Once you get to 10,000 feet, you literally have nine minutes to conduct your service and then you're descending into the airport. So they kind of threw these curveballs at me, you know, hey, you're doing a mimosa service, you know, on a transatlantic from, you know, Teterboro, New Jersey to London. You hit some pretty severe turbulences, all your champagne flutes fall over. What do you do? So it was a pretty hands-on experience, only in the sense that, you know, again, they were training me to what I had. They trained me how to drive the vehicles that we had. They trained me how to properly care for and detail the vehicles that we had. We flew to, you know, all their other houses around the world, whether it was uh, Brisbane, Dubai, London, uh, Switzerland. And, you know, they said, hey, this is your staff here. In order for this house to be ready, these are the communication tips that you have to use in order to get this house prepared upon arrival without you being stressed out. So that was actually the big initial training. And they were the ones that actually put me in the backseat of the Rolls Royce. They were the ones that put me in Mrs. and Mr.'s seat and said, you know, hey, I want you to look and notice X, Y, and Z. So from there, I obviously utilized all those tips and tricks and tools and kind of grew on it because I was in the mindset of detail, communication, and essentially living in the the principal shoes. So I always stuck by those three principles and it's success. Then when I transitioned into yachting, I had some semi time off, I guess you could say. And I wanted to further the experience because we didn't really get into say cigar service, cognac service, you know, properly valeting suitcases because in the previous situation I had assistants that would do all that. And I always felt as being a major domo or a butler, you have to be a professional at everything. I mean, literally everything. And that's one of the things that I like to tell my chief stews, you know, you're not only the head of interior, you have to know food, you have to know wine, you have to know laundry, you have to even sometimes know mechanics and you have to listen for if things are breaking. I mean, I think a basic engineering class for a chief stew is one of the most incredible tools that you can use. Back in uh, 2018, I flew myself to London, England, and I went to the British Butler Institute to basically brush up on those, you know, little extra service pointers. And and I essentially, you know, really adapted to it. And again, those were all tips and tricks that I could not only use on, you know, a boat. I can use it in the air. I can use it, you know, while I'm at home. I can use it for an event. I can use it while in an estate. And it was, you know, essentially just another layer of icing on a cake that I could just add to everything. That's incredible. And I think what I love so much about that is you haven't just had one training week and left it at that. 
I think what I really admire is, you know, you had the butlers come in, you did a lot of one-on-one, but then you also went back and did another follow-up course to continue to brush up on your skills. And I think that's what luxury hospitality is always about. It's always about that learning, that pushing the envelope, that, you know, sense of curiosity where you are keen to learn, you are keen to expand your knowledge. And in turn, it's obviously led to you now being able to help other stews with your butler training. So when you start training with the girls, what does a day look like? Or does it vary from boat to boat? You know what? It's 100% best boat. As you know, (laughs) from working on big boats and the schedule can be one thing one day and then the next day you have the boss coming on and it's, you know, a complete meltdown. So essentially, I mean, I really, really, really highly recommend that the boat and the stews are in 100 complete mindset of you are not going to be doing stew duties the entire week while we do this training course because I need you to focus while we do this. You know, if you go to a butler training course, you are flying to whatever destination you may choose. You are sitting in the classroom and you are being essentially a sponge absorbing all the information. You know, a normal day for a training would be I go to the boat or I go to the aircraft or the house. I do everything there. I I don't do a training course off, you know, off the boat or off the jet, only in the sense that I felt as if it was way more effective and the students adapted 10 times more by being in their environment. I can point out, hey, if you're doing formal service at nighttime in the main salon, you have windows on both sides, use those as mirrors. If there's a formal conversation going on, you don't need to be standing and breathing over your guests. You don't have to walk around the table every minute to make sure everyone's fine. Those tips and tricks, you know, that's what I use on the boats. Essentially, I mean, every package is completely custom. I mean, I've worked with stews that have been to the Covent Garden, you know, flower design courses, and they're fantastic at flower design. I've worked with stews that are level two salmoniers. I've worked with stews that have been chefs and transitioned into chief stew world, but they just have, you know, certain questions that are unclear, or they need to basically implement faster protocols so they're ready when a curveball is thrown at them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's very diverse, isn't it? And I think that's what I admire about your view on service is it is bespoke to every single vessel. You don't join one boat and, you know, the next five boats you're on, they are not going to be the same as number one. So you're not going to, everything you learn, let's say on the first boat, that's not going to be what you need to know for every other vessel. So I think it's going back to that curiosity of, okay, well, what does the boat offer? What can I use on the vessel to make service better? As you said, looking at the windows as the mirrors, that's brilliant because that's something specific to that vessel that's going to help that specific team. And I don't think one right. size fits all. Exactly. I know that when I join boats, I try and kind of alter the service training just based on what we have available to us. So it's nice to hear from someone like yourself who's a professional that perhaps I'm doing the right thing, <laughs> which is great. Right. No, you are totally on the right path. And it even goes to, you know, silly little things of, What's the shape of your table? I put, when I do the mock trial, as you are the principal, you know, the stews are on top of the table and they're sitting up all proper and their their chairs are pushed in. And I kind of say to them, I'm like, have you ever had a guest or an owner that sits the way you do? And they're like, 
no, we can't even get around the chair. And I'm like, great, push out, be a slob and, you know, pretend to be the owner. You, I, I know 90% of stews have struggled to clear a plate or fill a water glass or fill a wine glass because the guest is, I don't know, maybe five feet away from the table. Right. Uh, yep. Quite a few instances come to mind. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But those are, those are things that I have to teach while on, you know, or while in your place of work, because if we did this in a classroom, everything would be too easy. And yachting and jet life and estate life is not easy. I mean, I can tell you that right now. I completely agree with that. And I think that really resonates with, I think just being an, a chief stew is a huge responsibility because you are responsible for that team on that specific vessel. And it's just really adapting to the challenges that you are facing with the guests or with the service or with the housekeeping needs or the laundry needs. It's going to vary, doesn't it? So I think as chief stew, having someone like yourself come in would be really advantageous to just have that backup of someone with experience who can go, well, perhaps if you did X, Y, Z, Instead, it might be a bit more efficient to your housekeeping department. So I think it's good to look at all aspects instead of just dinner service as well. Exactly. And that's the whole point of a team. I mean, and while he, housekeeping is, you know, being conducted down in cabins, you know, housekeeping also has to keep in mind, you know, how's the temperature of the room? Are there any noises? Maybe housekeeping heard a door slam that's right above the port midship cabin. And that could be a cue to say to the deck guys, hey, in the morning, don't slam this door because Port Midship is going to wake up and we don't want that. Without a doubt. I mean, no one ever, ever should wake up a guest before they're ready to be woken up. Right. <laughs> That's like key, <laughs> key and yachting. Before we wrap up here, I would just love to know what advice do you have for stews that are going into formal service for the first time? They are new to yachting. They are new to serving what are kind of the basics you think that they could take away and what areas do you think they should really be focusing on? When I have a junior stew coming up for service, whether they want to or not, or if they're really interested, the first few services, I actually have them just watch us. And I tell them, watch our body language, watch the guest's body language, watch water glasses, watch wine glasses, watch the bread plate, you know, Watch for spills. If someone requested ice, I said, I just want you to really observe. Use your eyes. Your eyes are like your biggest tool in service. Your mouth, I mean, doesn't really matter. Your ears, yeah, sometimes it's important. But if you have the ability to use your eyes for all of that stuff, I mean, you're in for the win. The other thing that I notice when, you know, junior stews step up into service they get very anxious, they get very nervous, they get very frazzled. And, you know, I explained to them, like, this is, this is meant to be like a calm ocean. Everything needs to flow. Everything needs to be, you know, cool as a cucumber. So I always tell them, like, you just need to calm down. You need to breathe. You need to relax. Because if you go out to the, you know, the service table and you have that tension, guests will feel that tension. They'll see that you're not bending at the hips. They'll see that you're kind of looking all over the place. You might slip up and ask questions. You might slip up and, you know, make yourself part of the conversation, which I've seen many times. Essentially, body language is my, my biggest tip. You could totally see if a guest is happy or unhappy. You could tell if their arms are crossed. You could tell if they're trying to get your attention 
but they're not going to call your name. Maybe they don't know it. Maybe they don't want to disrupt everyone else. And again, that's all using your eyes to see what's happening at the table. You're so right. Just having that awareness about you is so key. The rest you can be taught, but you have to be aware of your surroundings. And an episode I did recently with Flightus, we spoke a lot about body language. And I think that's something that is overlooked. So I love that you keep bringing that up because you're so right. Body language. How am I standing? How is the guest reacting? Are they sitting in a comfortable position or do they look a little tense this evening? I think things like that are, are really key and really help with service to ensure that the service is tailored to the experience of the guests and to their energy that evening. Right. And it's, I mean, a hundred percent true. And, you know, a lot of stews, even experienced stews, you know, I say to them, go to YouTube, go onto Google and just read body language, read energy. You know, you will learn things that you didn't think of and you'll see different little tips that they share to you that could actually improve your service and improve your anticipation and improve your intuition on a guest. You know, they do it and they find these tips and then they work it in and then they realize, okay, this is actually going really well. This is really easy. You know, my stews are doing great. And it's like, yeah, because you've just made, you know, awareness about X, Y, and Z. Absolutely. Oh, gosh, this has just been such a great, insightful chat. And I was saying to you before we hit record that I so wish I knew that you were in Palm Beach because not too long ago I was at Rybovich and it would have been lovely to have met you. I just think you are a wealth of knowledge. So if anyone is in Palm Beach, make sure you reach out to Jack. Definitely someone that we can all learn from. And Jack, for anyone that would like to discuss butler training with you more or follow your exciting life of running in and helping boats at the last minute, where can they find you online? You can find me on the website at www.coppolaconcierge.com. We are on Twitter. We are on LinkedIn. I am on Pinterest, Note Stews. I have a board called the Butler's Pantry, which of course is filled with amazing tips, tricks, napkin folds, you know, so on and so forth. We're also on Instagram at Coppola Concierge. And yeah, don't be shy. I mean, shoot me a message, shoot me an email, you know, reach us on Facebook. And even if you just have questions about something and, you know, don't even want a full service, just just ask me, you know, I'm here for you. That's what this whole community is about. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much, Jack. It's been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. And I am just so excited to hopefully meet you one day and, and maybe continue to learn from you. Yes, please come back anytime. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean the world if you could please share, rate, and review. Have an idea for a podcast topic or want to be our next guest? Get in touch through at the on Instagram or send an email to hello at the And be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode.